Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy a good conversation about love, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over, and probably also listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. I don't know what you've been up to this summer, but I've been enjoying cooking, a lot of outdoor adventures, like playing tennis and going for long walks and some bike rides. I even went on a road trip recently out west with my love, Um, went to go meet his fam, but also, you know, wanted to stay socially distanced, but see a little bit of the world. Definitely kept our face masks on anytime we were out and about and stayed away from folks, but... We just needed to get out of the city for a little bit. So I hope if you're finding things to do this summer, you are being safe and staying healthy out there. Um, But you know, being around my guy a lot has given me ample opportunity to make sweet love to him. And it's gotten me thinking about feminine energy because that's where people talk about your sexual energy resides. But feminine energy is responsible for so much more. And it's really important to have a balance, and it's not just for ladies. So I had my friend Dave on today's episode, and you may think it's strange to have a man on to talk about feminine energy. But again, the whole point is everyone needs to find the balance for their feminine and masculine energies. Everyone's got to tap into that feminine energy. So we talked about Dave's personal journey from the tech sector. He used to be in the video game industry. Uh, Now he's an energy healer. It's quite a transition. So we talked about how that happened and why it happened. I think with what's going on in the world today with the pandemic, there's a lot of people who were considering making some changes. Uh, They knew that perhaps the life they'd lived before wasn't really suited to what they wanted to do long term. And there's a lot of people looking to make some changes. Dave talked about his dark night of the soul and that ego death and what it meant for him to really embrace his true calling. So I hope you can find a little bit of inspiration in that. I'm always looking to hear more from my listeners. So if you have a sex or relationship related question you'd like me to answer on my show, please send me an email, Kristen at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com. You can also reach me on my social media channels. Just send me a DM. I would also love it if you would subscribe to the Dirty Bird email newsletter. You can find that the easiest way is to go to Instagram and go to the link in my bio, or you can go to my website and sign up there. And that's OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Take care. Summer's been fun, but it's time to get back into podcasting. So I have asked a friend of mine, Dave Witcher, to join me on the show today. Thanks for joining me on Keep Them Coming, Dave. Hi, Kristen. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be on your show. Have, have you been on a podcast before? Uh, I have been uh, actually starting to do uh, a podcast with three other friends of mine, and it's called Yen, Y-E-N, or Your mm-hmm. Essential Nature. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Well, I'm this happy just... to have a fellow podcaster on the show. Yeah, it's podcast summer for me. <laughs> have you launched yet? Uh we have. We have. So you can find us on uh YouTube and um uh you know, I'm I'm actually we're we're so new at this, I'm not sure all the different platforms we're on, but you can definitely find us on Facebook and YouTube under your essential nature. Very cool. So for my listeners, you know, I have a lot of woo-woo people on here. So by his show title, Your Essential Nature, I'm sure you're uh, figuring out that Dave has to do with like energy work. Um, He is an energy healer and a self-empowerment coach. He was in the tech sector and decided after 20 years to leave all that corporate bullshit behind. And, you know, I like to keep my shows timely. So for those of you out there in the middle of this COVID pandemic who are thinking about, you know what, I'm just not really happy with the way things are going with the working for corporate entity, maybe Dave can provide some inspiration for you to, you know, think about some things. So tell me a little bit about 
What inspired you five years ago to leave corporate tech behind? Um, <laughs> so I was, uh, I, I don't know if I was inspired or, um, forced to make a change. Uh, mm -hmm. the, there comes a, a point in your life where, um, things are just not working, even though they seem like they are on paper and, and life just forces you to make a change. And I think I'd come to that point in my life. I started, I started college. I, so in college, I have degrees in the humanities. I have uh, degrees in philosophy, psychology, and cultural anthropology. And yet when I, when I got out of college and I went to move to San Francisco, I had a really good friend there. Um, the, the tech bubble was booming. You know, the dot-com was just really starting to boom. And I'd always been really good with computers. And so it was very easy for me to fall into getting work in technology. And it was fun. I enjoyed it. I, I just enjoy the sort of technical puzzle aspect of it. And it was just a lot of really new technology that was very glamorous and exciting. And that's, you know, sort of how, how I fell into it. And then years later, I ended up getting pulled into the video game industry. Actually, the very first job I had in San Francisco was at a, as a, a video game tester. I know that sounds like everybody's yeah. dream. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a lot of work and, um, and it's, it's not just sitting around playing video games. It's a lot of work. I, I quickly transitioned out of that into the tech sector, but then a friend of mine who I'd met through that job came back into town and was applying for, um, the head of product development for Capcom. It's a Japanese video game company. And he yeah. actually, I was at right at that moment, I was looking to make a change into out of like pure technology into more of a project management base. Because uh, I, I was recognizing, I'm like, look, I, as a tech person, I have oodles and oodles of people skills. I need to be more people focused and less tech focused. And so he pulled me into that job. And actually, when I left the Bay Area, I had taken over as the head of product development and product operations for Capcom. And, and, you know, when you look at my, when you look at my life, I, you know, I had a, I had a nice apartment. I had a, a sports car. I, I was working a job that most guys would kill to have. And yet I was just completely miserable, completely unfulfilled. Not only was there something missing in my life, I was going so much against the grain of my own internal nature that it was, it was killing me. It was really mm -hmm. just grinding me down and killing me. Mm -hmm. And I left that job. So the, the most difficult part of that was the cognitive dissonance of you've, you know, like you've finally made it into this executive position in, a, in an incredibly competitive industry. Why are you wanting to leave mm -hmm. versus just my own, um, intuitive internal self saying you've got to get out of this or it's going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, but not really having this understanding of what or why, or, you know, like what, what I was going to do or, and so I, I made that, I made that transition. And I got to say a lot of people, when I was making that, they privately came up to me and said, you're, you're incredibly brave to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't feel brave. I felt desperate, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I look back and I'd say, yeah, a lot of people, they, they can't, they can't just let that, you know, th their life go and start fresh. But I was able to do that. Thankfully, one of the things that really helped me make that transition was that I was doing energy work. I'd started out just going to somebody in the Bay Area for massage therapy. I was getting sick a lot. Um, and that's, sure, that's you're stressed out. That is a big, you know, yeah. When you're, when you're getting sick a lot, that's a huge indication of something needs to change in your life. You know, you're yes. on the wrong path. And fortunately for me, that person happened to be an energy worker as well. So she was doing energy work on me. And, and through all of that, one of the things that came up in our sessions together was that all I really wanted to do was spend more time with my dad. 
And I thought, well, there's nothing stopping me from doing that. So mm-hmm. I came back to Kansas City at the end of 2015. And I got, uh, I got two, two good years with my dad before he passed at the end of 2017. But that's what pulled me back to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about how all of this kind of stuff works, how, you know, when you're getting connected with your energy and getting reconnected with your spiritual path, mm-hmm. things just kind of started to open up for me. I just, I, I found the right people at the right time that led me into taking energy work lessons of my own. Mm-hmm. I trained under Dr. Matt Turner here in Kansas City. Just it was one of those things where I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and, and meet him and hear about his training and not even really know what it was because he, you know, like he doesn't call it Reiki training. He calls uh-huh. it channel channeling. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, channeling, what's that? That's weird. I'll, I'll sign <laughs> up. <laughs> and that, that's how a lot of my path has been since I left the tech sector. It has not been analytical. It's not been planned out. It has not been, you know, this, this clear path. It has really been me being forced to, uh, I've just been flying blind and I've had to really just trust mm-hmm. like just and really accept, like. yeah, and accept. Yeah. Oh, you know, they talk about the spiritual community. They talk about surrendering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That was mm-hmm. such a huge trigger word for me, uh, mm-hmm. for my first several years home that surrender was just really huge. And it really is um, learning how to trust your internal guidance Mm -hmm. and not, yeah, not needing to be able to see the path clearly in front of you, but just trust that that things are going to, you know, occur the way they need to occur and to relax into that. And so that you, you can actually start to see when things will pop up when yes. you're relaxed and you're trusting into it and something pops up and you're not overanalyzing it. You can see that you go, Oh, Oh, this is coming up out of the blue. I need to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Be present for things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, Ooh, that was a tough one for me. Uh, yeah. I hear that. I, one of my, early lessons in acceptance and surrender was a tough situation I was going through. And I pulled up behind a vehicle whose vanity plate said, accept. I was like, damn. Oh, okay. That was, that was a message right there in my face. So, but that that was it. Mm, There's been a few of those that throughout my life that it's just the, you have to just recognize that you're on the path that you're supposed to be on. We always are. Um, yeah, but that acceptance and surrender can be a bitch sometimes where you're like, Oh God, okay. Just gotta go with the flow here. Yeah. And it's, it's about retraining ourselves to use the tools that have always been there for us. When you're tuned into your guidance and you're, and you're really present and you're following it, you're taking advantage of it. You know, when those little odd things pop up out of the blue and then you, you take action on those things. Mm-hmm. Even yeah, when you don't understand why you're taking action. Like when I, when I signed up for Dr. Matt's um, channeling classes, I didn't know I was signing up for that, but I did. Mm-hmm. Um, don't you, you think you it's funny the, that sometimes those messages are really bold when we're not listening, like they get louder oh, and louder and bolder and bolder. Yeah, like they're more yeah. subtle when we are paying attention and being present, but when we're off our track is when it's like smack you in the face with something. Yeah, it, 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 um, well, it has to, right? It has to right. just really, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, in my last year working my job, um, I had blown through all of my sick time in like a month or two of when it reset. You know, oh, there was wow. a point where it reset. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was, that That's was, you're big, done. yeah, you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm done with this place. Yeah, that was that big sign of like, hey, you know, like if you keep going down on this path, it's just going to lead to an early death. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, as you, as you know, you, you get more present with things and they become more subtle. And I believe that's on purpose. Yeah. Because everything, it's an inside job, right? It's yeah. everything we do is it's an inside job. And so, you know, people will talk about when they learn to use a pendulum or tarot cards to get messages and they get really good at that and they get really comfortable with, you know, using this external device to, to get that guidance and those messages. Mm -hmm. And at some point it stops working. They all say this, they all say it just stops working and they get, they get frustrated, they get scared. But what they realize is that, um, that internal guidance is really inside of you all the time. Mm -hmm. it's, you don't need to look to the outside for it. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I believe that that's why event, you know, in early on, you get signs in your external world as you get better, they, they get less and less and it. And it really is sort of weaning you off of that external source of confirmation. And so that you can make that jump to go completely internal. And you learn how to just do an internal check on, you ask the question, should I take this job? Yes or no. And you will Im immediately get a yes or no response. And it's, and it's down in your, in your gut. Mm -hmm. I have talked it's about this on my show before that listening your to head. your gut. Mm -hmm. It's not in your head. Your head is, your head is um, this person that I, I really like to listen to. Her name's Amanda Flaker. She's great. And I don't know if this is her quote, but she uses it a lot. She says that the the mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Ah, yes. Yeah. Very and so on. it is, our minds are not supposed to be leading us in our lives. Um, they are gr fantastic tools, but it's your gut that is really the one you're supposed to listen to on the big questions in life. Right. So things like don't run a red light, that's your mind. Turn the iron off before you leave the house, that's your mind. All those kind of little day-to-day -day things. The mind is is that's that's what it's supposed to do, but when it really comes to should I follow this path or not? Is it right for me? That's your gut. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's something that you help people with, right? Is learning to tune in to what their gut's telling them, what their instincts are telling them. That's right. That's a, at, a, you know, one of the reasons why we struggle with this so much is that energy center, the Chinese call it the Dantian. It's one of the three main energy centers. The, the center of it is also your sacral chakra. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also where our sexual energy resides. You know, I want to talk about all that stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> and so one of the reasons why we are taught to not trust our guts is because we're taught not to think about all that sexual energy that's down there. Uh -huh. And it's kind of a, it, you know, we, we don't think about that. We, re we repress that and then we don't, we're not connected to our guts and we, you know, just start listening to our heads more and more and our guts less and less. And then our guts start screaming at us constantly and giving us health problems when we're not listening to it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And there's a lot of different things that, that, um, happen when we start to shut that down and disconnect from it. And Tell I don't a know bit if more wanna... about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so. I, one of the things that I really focus on is helping my clients reconnect. Yeah. I want to know their... exactly what it is, you know, cause saying you're an energy healer and self-empowerment coach only takes me so far, but yeah, I want to know like, what do your clients really come to you for? Yeah. You know, it, I, I, so this is something that I have been discovering. It's been, you know, a, a, it's been this, this journey of discovering. When I first started doing studying energy healing, I thought uh, I would have people come in and, you know, it would be like a kind of a spa session and you would just mm -hmm. get some energy healing and you would feel better and you would go along your day and come back in a month or two and see me when you wanted a little pick me up. And, and mm -hmm. I was really happy with that, that vision of <laughs> energy work, Yeah, uh -huh. but that was not to be. And, you know, there was at some point when I realized, you know, that felt incomplete. I'm like, okay, this, 
this just feels like people coming back to me over and over again. You know, it felt like a hamster wheel of, of a process of, you know, nothing ever really changing. And as I kind of, you know, worked with more and more people and I, you know, I, at some point I realized that I'm really there to help them connect more deeply to themselves. And that turned into a, well, what I'm really there is to help empower people to connect to the energy that is going to take them where they want to go in life, where they really want to go in life, not where they think they want to go, but, but where they, their gut is telling them where their passion is telling them they want to go, you know, the, the things that you really care about where you want to go. And, and that, um, you know, that's one of the things when I was leaving my job and I realized I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I care about anymore. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm passionate about. And, uh, I had lost that, that energy I had in my youth where I would get really excited about things. Mm-hmm. A lot of adults uh, do. Yeah. And that's that energy that comes when you're connected to your sacral, your sacral energy. So your sacral energy, a lot of people think it's just sexual energy or creative energy. Um, the analogy I like to use for sexual energy. And so I talk about it as sexual energy because that's what everybody understands, but it's more than that. The analogy I like to use is that, um, when they first brought electricity into the home back in the late 1800s with Edison and those guys, it was literally just to turn light bulbs on. That's it. You had electricity, you had an electric cable coming into your Uh home and it just turned the lights on. Uh Uh-huh. But nowadays we would think that's crazy. Like we use electricity for everything. You know, Mm -hmm. we heat our homes, we cook our food, we wash our clothes, stereo, television, computers, everything runs on electricity. And so to think of your sacral energy as just your sexual energy. Yeah, that's definitely true, but it's really there to empower your entire life. And so when we, when we disconnect from that, we disconnect from that source of, uh, empowerment for, for everything, you know, like, uh, being a, you know, we drink coffee because we're disconnected from our sacral energy. We get, don't be knocking my caramel latte that I like on occasion. (laughs) I love coffee, (sighs) but I've, I've switched over to decaf now. I actually have stopped drinking coffee during the pandemic. Um, I have an espresso machine. I have a French press and I bought a bag of beans at the very beginning and I still have some left. Like I haven't even gone through an entire bag of coffee. Um, I'm just not, yeah, I'm just not needing it. I'm drinking lots of water. I occasionally have some sun tea that I, you know, put outside, but yeah, I've kind of yeah, given up the, coffee because I'm feeling more connected to myself. Right. And one of the things that stimulants do, and this is actually all kinds of stimulants. So even my, my beloved spicy foods, I love spicy foods, um, mm-hmm. spicy foods, garlic, any kind of food that really revs up your body. They're, they're really healthy and powerful. However, if you eat those kinds of foods too often, what they end up doing is desensitizing you. Mm-hmm. So your, your nervous system always wants to kind of be up on this revved up. And so it's, it's really, it's really good to go on a very kind of neutral diet for a while and allow yourself to get more sensitive. One of the big things I do with my clients is as I'm creating that energetic field. And so what, you know, I always hesitate to call myself an energy healer because I firmly believe that all healing is self-healing. It's all mm-hmm. done from within. Mm-hmm. And so at what I do as an energy healer is I create I'm like a tuning fork. I can create oh, that mm-hmm. C note and, mm-hmm. and you use that as a reference. So you can feel that energy coming from me. It helps you feel yourself. It gives you that contrast to feel your own energy, um, against my energy. And then it also gives you that, um, that reference point to bring yourself back into alignment with that energetic pattern 
of that of that C note, right? Uh, tuning into those energies, connecting to them, so that you can start to run those patterns within yourself. So all good energy healers, what they do is allow people to recreate that same pattern within themselves, so that eventually mm-hmm. they're they're doing that. Everybody is tapping back into that energy that is just part of our lives, part of our birthrights, part of our lives. It's, it's a tool that's always there to help us. Um, if we're, if we're aware of it and we, we know how to connect to it and shape it. I mean, it's just like going to a physical trainer and having them help you develop a really good workout routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, but connecting to that sexual energy is so important because it, it powers everything. But what what I've found is what we have to do is we have to renegotiate that relationship with our sexual energy. Okay. Renegotiate it. So, yeah, because you're thinking that cause a lot of people are just out of tune with it. They're not talking to have, or they're not listening to their own bodies. They're pushing yeah. things down, all sorts of things, right? We have, Yeah, we have all, all kinds of stories around this energy. That's yes. why I like to say renegotiate. That's why I have a job. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> of the stories people tell themselves. I love that line. It's a Brene Brown thing. She talks about the stories we tell ourselves, right? Yeah, that, I love Brene Brown. Oh gosh. That's why that's why we're friends, Dave, because you know, we know all we know all the good people that, that help help us learn about ourselves. So then we can also go out and help others. But yeah, the the stories that we tell ourselves about life, about sex. Yeah, all of it um, can do us a great disservice. So I think you know, getting people to even just ask to recognize what story have you been telling yourself is sort of the yeah. first step because they're like, well, I, most people have never thought about that. And then when they stand back and analyze it, especially when it comes to their sexuality, I mean, can I ask, like, you know, you're, you're always, you're welcome to like, not talk about personal, you know, stories on here, but you know, I always like a little bit of the personal, you know, did, do you feel like you had to have sort of that reckoning with yourself about what stories you were telling yourself about your energy and and your sex life and things like that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been really interesting. I have always had a ton of sexual energy too Mm -hmm. much, like, or, or uh, I'll put that in quotes, right? Too much. Um, Too much by whose standards? Yeah, exactly. That's my but question I, for you. I look back on it now and I think, oh, I didn't have too much. I was just keeping it bottled up in one aspect of my life. So I had all mm-hmm. this energy trying to flood through and I just had it all stuck down there in my genitals, you know, mm-hmm. desperately trying to get out. Um And uh, I only thought that was a problem based on the fact that I'm, I'm, you know, really shy. (laughs) And Uh so I don't, you know, it was always kind of, um, um, let's just say I wasn't, uh, you know, a ladies man a lot. And so, but I always had really good sex when I did have sex. But the, what's interesting is, is as much as I love talking about sex and I'm comfortable talking about sex, there was a lot of the, um, stories in society that I was kind of adopting that I had adopted about sex, um, that I had to really let go of. Um, such as, Oh, just, of course, just, of course I'm going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> what, just even the idea of, Oh, okay. So, um, for example, when I was still in the Bay area, so I've, I've been courting my path for a very long time or my path mm-hmm. has been desperately, trying to get my attention for a long time and I kept ignoring it. Right. So mm-hmm. around 2006 or seven or so good friends of mine told me about this group in the Bay area that practices what they call OMING. That's O M apostrophe I N G OMING, which stands for orgasmic meditation. And so my friend's wife is okay. telling me about this because she's, she has been on a spiritual path since she was like 18 and is like just a wonderful person and, and way far along on her path and has just introduced me to so many great things. But so she's telling me about this. The group was called One Taste and, um, it was created by Nicole Dayton and she wrote the book Slow Sex. 
and she created this group, um, for women. It's like, you know, created for women. And the idea was that, um, uh, women could come in and they would have voluntary partners depending on man or woman, depending on the predilections of, of the, the woman and her orientation, her orientation. Okay. Gotcha. And so, uh, what, what the omen is, is that uh, you, it, it takes two people. So you have the woman laying down and she's in a position with her legs spread open. She's unclothed from the waist down. And then the, the partner is there in a very specific kind of position to, uh, and the, the second person, so the first person is called the receiver and the second person is called the stroker. And they call it the stroker because that person is using their finger, their left index finger to very, um, firmly, but gently stroke a very specific spot on the woman's clitoris in a very specific way. So as to allow the woman to experience some, um, very direct stimulation. And what this does is that, um, and it, and it just, and I want to say that, uh, one of the great things about this group is that they, it's called orgasmic meditation and how they distinguish orgasm from climax. Uh-huh. They say that orgasm is the, the heightened state of that, that heightened energetic state, that heightened state of, of excitement mm-hmm. versus climax is when you are in that heightened state and then you peak and it drops yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. the, I don't want to call it a goal, but it creates the opportunity for the receiver to, to experience that, all of those sensations, uh, and get to that heightened state. And the idea is to really learn how to embrace that energy to where you can just float in that state it it goes for 15 minutes and the women can just float in that that heightened state of arousal Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. excitement and just be with it and not Mm -hmm. have to do anything they they don't have to respond in any way they don't have to uh, reciprocate in any way all they have to do is just lie there and receive and mm-hmm. be in that state. And it's so super healing. Um, I bet. Cause I can't tell you how many of my female clients have never had an experience where they were just the receiver, the receiver. Just, yeah. Just getting pleasure for just pleasure's sake. Just seeing and, what it feels and, like. And sometimes, you know, it takes a long time for the women to get in that space of being able to receive the pleasure depending on their own individual life circumstances, it can take a long time for them to get there to where they can actually receive that, that pleasure. But, but it's that creating that space for them to just be and receive. And as I was being told about this, you know, I was just, I was like, as personally, so as, as an, as a man, as an individual, I have always loved vaginas. I love them. Mm-hmm. I love working with them. Mm-hmm. I love everything about them, right? I am not, I, I'm not shy. Me about, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I've always just really loved, you know, working with my, my being with my partner's vagina. You know, it's just, there's, there's no part about it that I don't like. I, I just, you know. That might be and, your show title, being with my partner's vagina. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but as I was, so, I mean, for somebody who, who, just totally love this idea. I'm thinking to myself, is this a cult? Am I going to get sacrificed at the end of this? Like, what is What's going to happen here? I know some eyes yeah. wide shut shit. <laughs> like, yeah. And so there was that, that because of all those societal stories about how this just can't be right. Mm-hmm. And, and when I think back about that, I realize how 
just, I feel like how, you know, like how much we control women's sexuality. I feel like the mm -hmm. most controlled substance on the face of this planet is a, is a, is a woman's vagina. Honestly. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, sexuality in insane. general is, is just so, so controlled, so taboo. Yeah. <laughs> in so many different sneaky ways. You know, my viewpoint is, is simply like, you know, think about the flip side, even if it was a man simply receiving the same sort of pleasure in a different way, like that would also be considered taboo in our society. You but know, less so, so it, it is less so, but, but it would be more, you know, like, okay, let's drop a, a vision of a place where the roles are reversed and it's men and, you know, who knows who's stimulating them. It could be like, people would probably go to like the context of like, oh, well, then it's probably gay men that do that kind of stuff. Well, you know, we, again, we there's just all parlors, sorts of, you know? right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just, yeah, I mean, there's that too. That's what so we always take things to a place that make it not normal, not, okay, we make it to where it's like seedy. And again, like you say, maybe it's a cult or things like that, rather than there are ways for all of us to explore our sexuality yeah. in a context that is clinical and a context that is exploratory and that happens to have other people around. Betty Dodson is one of my favorite people on the planet. She does a hands-on, hands-in clinic. A lot of people have kind of gotten exposure to her this year because she was on an episode of Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop Lab on Netflix. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but you know what you're talking about is that hands-on sort of sex coaching. That is a type of coaching that's out there. Um, yeah, and it's you know, people talk about it like being tantric, I, tantric energy or tantric coaching, things like that. And and I, I more and more I talk about I work with tantric energy, and so someone else used a a good description of um, tantric the tantric energy, tantric spirit. It's like when the spiritual energy and the physical body interface. That's that kind of tantric experience, right? Um, and also I like to use tantric because the energy I work with is mostly feminine energy. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the energy of creation. That sexual energy is a feminine energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that's why I call it just your, your life force energy because the feminine energy is the creative life force energy and, and being connected to that is so important regardless of what sex you are, male or female, yes. we all need to be connected to that. Yes, absolutely. Men and women do need to be connected to their feminine energy. Tell you what, let's take a quick break. And after we come back, we'll dive a little bit more into that. Sounds good. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute. So stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. Okay, break is over. Let's get back into talking about feminine energy. This is a topic that I, of course, talk about with a lot of clients, and some people might be surprised to hear me say that I talk about it with both male and female clients. There's a reason for that. We all have feminine energy. It does not matter what your gender expression is. So I want to talk about that more. When you find that, okay, you've got clients coming to you who are talking about, uh, I mean, like, what kind of things do you find there that might be a miss for people to kind of signal that they're not in tune with that feminine energy. Feeling closed down, a feeling shut off. Um, they can either be numb mm -hmm. or they can be distracting themselves, right? So mm -hmm. they're either block, they're either numb because they're blocking something within themselves or they're um, distracting themselves because they're, they're not wanting to address something. Yeah. Um, and the big part I find about being blocked or being numb is that when we have difficult emotions come up, it's really, uh, and this is one of the things that we don't get taught how to do is how to, how to actually process our emotions. Uh -huh. And actually I want to, make a distinction between a feeling and an emotion, right? So a feeling yeah. is just something, it's very nebulous. It's the sensation that you have, you know, it can mm -hmm. be a physical sensation or, or an energetic sensation. And so the difference between a, a feeling and an emotion is an emotion is a feeling with a story wrapped around it. 
Mm-hmm. You, you feel something and you create a, a, you know, you wrap a story around it and you say, I'm sad, I'm bitter, I'm angry. Those kinds of things you usually have that kind of story perspective on it. Mm-hmm. So one of the great things about working with energy is you start to let go of the story and you focus just on the feelings that are coming up. And those feelings are really just messages for us all. And they just want to deliver the message. And mm-hmm. once they've delivered the message, they'll generally go, they'll, they'll, they'll pass on. And so the tricky part is to not be afraid of those messages. And I think we, we often get into that fear of feeling into something because we, we think we're going to get stuck in, in that feeling. We're going to mm-hmm. get stuck in that sadness. We're going to get stuck in that anger. Uh, but really the, the more you delve into that, message and you get the message, the sooner it can release itself. And so I think globally, globally, we're all disconnected from, to one extent or another, our feminine energy. Uh Um, And, and uh, so speaking as a man who was very connected to my feminine energy growing up in the seventies and in the, in the early eighties, you know, I was given messages constantly that that was not okay. Mm-hmm. And I was I'm just, sure. I was just, I'm sure. yeah, constantly being, you know, um, not always picked on or singled out. That wasn't always the case. I mean, fortunately, I also happen to have a very masculine body. Like I, I had, so I, I was getting it from both sides. I, I had very, very connected to my feminine, but, um, and I think this is more the, more often the case than we realize. But um, but I had hairy legs in the fourth grade, and 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 a and a very hairy chest by you know high school, um, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> I was I was I was being singled out kind of on both both ends of the spectrum as being mm-hmm. you know extremely connected to my feminine energy, but then also like this you know, hyper-masculine body, but it was just kind of, uh, recently that I realized, um, how much anger I have towards men mm-hmm. and towards, I, um, I would say towards the kind of patriarchal structure that we have. Yes. Um, That's the same that people anger. I'm angry at too right now. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not mad at men in general, but I'm very angry at toxic masculinity. Yeah. And okay. I like to call okay. it a disconnected a disconnect because it's masculinity that is disconnected from the feminine. The well, I consider the feminine our our GPS. It's mm-hmm. our, it's our navigator. It's, it's really giving us the, what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to go. It's the, it's the meaning of our life. And when we're disconnected from that, it's like, we're, we're on this rudderless boat. That's just going around wherever. And that's why people get up into their minds and create all of these stories because they're looking for some kind of meaning to their life. And if you're disconnected from your feminine energy, which is, which is what is going to provide you that real meaning, you're going to have to create a story. And those stories can be just, sometimes they can be just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. They can, they can be devastating. I like that term disconnected masculinity. Yeah. But it makes so much sense because, you know, call it toxic masculinity makes, makes some people feel like they're just saying, again, it's kind of like the black lives matter. And then people turn around and say all lives matter. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not saying all masculinity is bad. The whole point of labeling it toxic masculinity is to say that there is a subsection of masculinity that is toxic. Yeah. Just gonna, so, I, I had an issue with using the word patriarchy for a while because, um, that, that has that similar kind of thing of that, you know, it makes masculine. I actually realized that it's not patriarchy, it's sociopathy and, and sociopathy is really, it's really when you're disconnected from your emotions and, Uh you know, that is our feminine energy is our, our feelings. Uh, And when you're disconnected from your feelings, you're not going to have that guidance. You're, you're, you're not going to be able to have compassion uh, or empathy um, yeah, when I, when I left my job, um, when I left my life and I loved working with, with all the people I've worked with, but I was so disconnected from what my feelings were telling me to do. 
I felt like I was trapped up in this little room up, up at the top of my head, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking at a computer console. You know, I was looking at life through a computer console. Mm-hmm. I was so disconnected from everything. And, and this happens with men and women. So women need to have that balance of, and this is why I, I, you know, like point out how women's sexuality is more controlled than men's that we're all, we're all taught to disrespect our feminine energy. But since women are the embodiment of that feminine energy, then it's a double disrespect. They're swimming in their feminine energy and embodying it, but, but just not really respecting it, loving it, embracing it. And so women need to do that too. Men and women all, you know, the more I have really embraced my feminine energy, the more I've been able to reconnect my masculine to it. Mm-hmm. And that's the key to a successful life is when you really embrace and respect and love that feminine part of yourself and realize that it's your, that it's your gold in life. It is your treasure. Mm-hmm. And you start to treasure that part of you, then you can connect your masculine energy to it. And then your masculine is now in the position of all of that, um, all of that outward expression of your energy is connected with your feminine. So you're just in this beautiful alignment and able to literally create magic at that point. Yes. It's all about being in alignment and in balance, isn't it? Yeah. And so it's the, it's the idea of like, um, when we talk about tarot decks and usually, uh, you have like the queen and then the king, mm-hmm. but what's interesting is the, um, tarot deck that was done, I think by the golden dawn, um, they have a queen, they have a knight and a queen mm-hmm. because the knight is in service. The masculine is in service to the feminine. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you think about, um, I mean, this is, um, replete throughout our culture. Look at, look at chess. The most powerful piece on that board is the queen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The most powerful piece on the board. The, um, in, when I was in the infantry in the army, we, the infantry, we called ourselves the queen of battle. Mm. Right. You think about this most hyper masculine organization, but we referred to ourselves as the queen of battle because look at, look at all of our old fairy tales. The most fearsome character in those fairy tales is the, the wicked witch because Mm -hmm. everyone realized that when you have, we won't say toxic femininity, but disconnected femininity. Femininity that doesn't, that's, that doesn't love, love themselves and, mm-hmm. and is not properly connected with the masculine. You have this like fearsome, fearsome character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that everyone is afraid of, right? Because that's where all the power is, is, is in the feminine. So that self-empowerment is connecting with your feminine and getting your masculine energy connected with your feminine energy in a, in a, in a unified, cohesive, whole yeah that's a lot to take in i'm just thinking about like all the things that (laughs) now i want to take the clients Uh, i mean i do talk about a lot of this stuff with clients but not all of my clients are open to talking about um energy and like the the you know pop culture term is the woo woo stuff but right right well, but, you know, yeah. I mean, I think about all my, my female friends who really stand in their power. They're very balanced between their masculine and feminine mm-hmm. energies. Like they're still women, but they're like staying in their power, which does take finding that masculine energy, I think, within. And because, like, yeah, that's what we see in men when they're staying in their power. It's their masculine. But when they're really balanced and they are fair, they are just, they are kind, it's, you know, they probably have that high balance of their feminine energy as well. It's when they start being. We just need cool. to look at our last two presidents to see a nice yeah. contrast. Oh, Dave, I love you. Yes. Yes. 100%. All right. You have one that is, um, has a lot of masculine energy, but very well connected to his feminine energy and balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and 
is, you know, has a great relationship with the women in his life. Mm-hmm. And then you have another president that is, that is, has a lot of masculine energy, but, but completely disconnected from his feminine energy. And yep, you, he wouldn't you talk about that. women the way that he does if he did. Right. And you see that reflected in his relationship with women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But one, one is, yes, definitely lacking balance for the other side. And I think that's a good example to be able to take to, you know, you can look at people in your life and, and I think very quickly assess who, who in your life seems balanced and who is uh, letting, especially the masculine dominate and not getting in touch with that sacral energy, and that feminine energy. Yeah. And so, you know, from my journey, again, I had to come back to my feminine energy. I had to let go of like, I had to really let go of my masculine energy uh, and just literally flounder <laughs> for a couple of years. Like, cause that's what you'll do. If you're not connected to your, your masculine energy, you will just flounder. You will be at a standstill, but it wasn't until I really started to um, uh, really embrace, you know, my feminine energy and, and, and what it was bringing to me and what it was telling me about my life. Uh, and trusting that, that I could start to bring my masculine back in. So you feel like kind of in your journey, you were not really understanding what it was that needed to change. You just knew you needed to change. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of tried to let like just the masculine stuff go without embracing the feminine energy. Well, it was just, um, you know, they, they use the term dark night of the soul. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went through a really big dark night of the soul that lasted about three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was ho- absolutely horrible. It was the, you know, one of the worst experiences I've had in my life. And I've lived in two different active war zones in my life. And, um, so this was worse mm-hmm. and it was a, and it was an ego death. It was really just letting go of everything that I had built with my disconnected masculine so that I could start fresh and reconnect with my feminine and build from there. And I had to work through all of those stories about going from a, you know, a corporate position, a tech position to something that is very woo woo. Mm-hmm. Right, those were a big contrast, and then myself being a man doing something that's very feminine, um, and also working with you know I work with a lot of um, female clients, which by the way I love working with female clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I I absolutely love it, but then there's these stories about you know like men who work with women mostly, and what does that mean? It's like a it's like a you know it's either. Um, it's both a knock against our masculinity, but also seen as kind of suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and just working through all of those different stories and just keep going back to, okay, you know, be that as it may, I still feel like this is my calling. and This is, this is what I'm, you know, this is what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And just staying with that and allowing myself to just eventually let go of all of those stories about why it's not okay or why yep. I shouldn't be doing this. And say I, whose I, stories I, are those, right? <laughs> who's telling you those stories? I was even being presented with in the midst of my being just dead broke <laughs> with six figure job offers and having to, to turn them down and people in my life going like, what are you doing? You know, and just saying, I don't know, but I know that that didn't feel right. And I have to right. like say no to that. And, um, and I'm glad, um, you know, it has really allowed me to get back to what I, you know, know was my path early on, but I just got, uh, I got distracted from. And so that's, that's what I hope to help everybody kind of shortcut through that. <laughs> and that's what you can do. That's like one of the great benefits of really connecting with your sacral energy, with all of your energies, but especially, you know, your sacral energy is it will help cut through all of those stories and get you back to truth and get you back to ground and, and be that guiding light for people. And so they can say, yeah, like have that perspective in their life. Uh, so that they can see things popping up in their life and go, no, thank you. Or yes, please. Uh, mm-hmm. And have that certainty of it's coming from um, their their truth and not some story. Yes. 
I talk a lot about intently like focusing on what you want. Because when you are focused on what you want, it's so clear what doesn't fit into that. Yeah, absolutely. And when all those job offers that come along that you're like, you know what, you know, the first thing you brought up is six figures. You didn't talk about what the job content was. You didn't talk about what you would be doing, all those things. And that's what everyone looks at and goes, you gave up six figures to do this. Right. You know, because all they're thinking about is what money are you making? And my hope is that through a lot of soul searching people have been doing during the quarantine that people are recognizing that there's way more to your happiness than just the money that's going into your bank account from work. It reminds me of a, a interview that Terry Gross did. I was listening to it probably back in 2012 mm-hmm. and I was, I was driving home and I was listening to um, her interview, this woman who had been a famous concert pianist uh just famous really good at what she did and at some point and she had grown up in a family where everybody were you know were um outstanding musicians um mm-hmm. world renowned musicians and um but at some point she she gave all that up to become a copyright editor to to edit books um and she said that she didn't make nearly as much money like a fraction of what she used to make as a concert pianist, but she loved every day of her work. She loved what she was doing. And one of the things that she realized at some point was that just because she was good at being a concert pianist didn't mean that that's what she really enjoyed or what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't, I would, you know, do anything different because I get up every day and I love what I do. And I, you know, when I work with clients, I love the work that I do. Uh, and I think about all of the work I did in the corporate world. And I did not love that. Right. <laughs> it was like, it was horrible. It was like pulling teeth. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's just a lot to be gained by loving what you do. It brings so much to our lives that we don't, often talk about. I could not agree with you more. I wake up every single day and love what I do. I love working with clients. I love doing this podcast. I love getting to talk about all the things that I do. And yeah, there's nothing I think that I would trade for this right now. Definitely had some offers on LinkedIn and I'm like, nope, no, thank you. Move along. I'm good. And I think, you know, I believe, I firmly believe that we are all that we come into this world with um, something that we are meant to do, you know, um, something that we're meant to bring to this world. Uh, The analogy I like to use is that everyone is born as a unique fruit tree. And that if you are true to that, you will bring to this world a fruit that nobody else can bring. and, And everyone around you will get to partake in that. Um, I love that. But if you don't, you're just going to be a tree and -hmm. eventually, you know, like you're going to be used for furniture and firewood and that's it. You're done. But as a fruit tree, you're going to, when you really take care of yourself and you follow your path and you produce that fruit, everyone gets to partake in that unique fruit. Mm -hmm. Yep. You take care of yourself and it produces abundance. Then everyone gets to partake in that abundance. Yep. I actually have a sign right here on my desk. I keep a little, um, it's actually a phone stand, <laughs> but I keep these little cards that I've drawn up and it says, I am abundance. I need no external circumstances or conditions to prove that I am abundant. I am abundance. Yeah. The whole thing. You got to move about the world being abundant and taking good care of yourself so that you can share that energy with others. So on that note, this has been a fantastic conversation, but I think it's time for your tarot reading so we can wrap up. Oh, sounds great. Okay, so I've got the cards shuffled here, and I just or split it, the deck for you, and let's see here. You have the Queen of Earth. Ooh, I like that. Funny that we were talking about queens a moment ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, water is um, cups, and yes. 
So that's the sense of sight and the spiritual and emotional. So, you know, you're not here to see my beautiful tarot deck in person, but it's actually an erotic tarot deck. Um, let me first describe the card before I actually get into the reading here. So this lovely woman is wearing a short dress and it's sort of like a, a button down, uh, kind of summery dress and she's got a hat on. It sort of looks like the, um, a hat that they would wear on safari, like in the mummy, they had, you know, those safari hats that they're wearing out in the oh, desert. Yeah. yeah she's kind of mm -hmm. got one of those on. She's like leaning up against a wall. Um, to me, this looks like it'd be like an old European city, but there's graffiti on the wall next to her. And it's like a Buddha. Um, but she, the way she's leaning against the wall, it's like, she's gasping in ecstasy. There's no one else there with her, but like her shirt is open. The top of her dress is open and like one nipples exposed and her dress is kind of hiked up and she just looks like she's going, Oh, like it's too hot. Or she, you know, like just couldn't handle it anymore. And her dress <laughs> popped open or whatever. So that queen of earth, that's the queen of earth right now. Um, uh, okay. So water suit chalices, um, cups is about the sense of sight and the spiritual and emotional sphere. Water controls daydreams, mental images, the lure of the unknown, and of exotic and adventurous situations. It's also that part of the attraction which comes from what is irrational and from romantic desire. So the queen is about the lover, a faithful friend, honesty, apparition, clairvoyance, and sensitivity. It's about cancer. Um, I so am yeah, a cancer. About, oh, there you go. And it's about being... Yeah. Uh, because it's lunatic, emotional, receptive. So, you know, lunatic meaning simply ruled by the moon. Um, yeah. So. Guilty lover, as charged. For, there you go. <laughs> you know, you talk about your energy work and having that sensitivity and being receptive um, to what people are going through in order to help them sort of. I think what a lot of people don't understand about people in energy work is they're not you're not just telling people how they feel. You've got that 36,000 foot view to see how emotions are playing out on people's bodies. Yeah. And then that, that what's happening in their body, you know, creates that vibration that you kind of pick up on. So, yep. you know, it's, um, you have to be all those things to be good at what you do. And That's true. I love that you are sort of shifting your focus to be, uh, more about, that self-empowerment from the sacral chakra because so many people need it. Oh my God. So many people need help with that. We need more people like you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, I, and I believe, I firmly believe that, you know, that, that um, self-empowerment and healing are two sides of the same coin. And so um, that's that journey to, to self-healing is self-empowerment. And on the other side of that, you just have such a healthier world, such a more interesting and fun and exciting world. Agreed. Again, for all of us. Huh, yeah. Yes. Trust me. When, when you and I get done with people, we are sending out people who are going to hopefully raise other people's vibrations around them. Seriously, I've had so many clients come back and say, you know, people have noticed this huge difference in me and say that it's inspired them to want to like make some changes. I'm like, that's what this is all about. That's why I really love working with women um, because when women heal and get really connected to their sacral energy, um, they radiate, they radiate energy out that benefits mm -hmm. everyone around them. Uh, I felt it when I oh, was yeah. working with the Oming uh, group. It was unbelievable. Uh, the, the amount of energy that just gets created. Um, and you can tell that when you see a woman who's really connected to her feminine power, she'll walk into a room and all heads will turn immediately. Oh yeah. I mean, people have asked me like, God, sometimes people just like gravitate towards you in a room. I'm like, I don't have any, there's no secrets to be held here about why that like energy just exists for me. Come on. Like I'm a sex coach. I'm in tune with my energy and I radiate that energy and yeah. I have to be this way in order for people to want to work with me and to trust me, you know, like, and I think that once people meet me or they hear my show and things like that, then that's when like, Oh, I can see that. I hear that. I hear that energy coming out. I could totally talk to her about sex and my relationship and things like that. But yeah, I think that would be a pretty, um, 
pretty we would both be pretty poor coaches if we walked into a room and people didn't gravitate towards us if people were repulsed <laughs> or didn't even like notice us maybe our energies aren't doing so good but yes yeah. We, yeah i'm i'm in touch with mine and i see it and that's i kind of i have a joke with some people at networking events because some women have come up and said like gosh you just have so much confidence I'm like it's not it's not about my confidence trust me like i'm just me but here's what i'm in tune with and here's what i can help you be in tune with as well yeah it's so. about really yeah connected into that that sacral energy Mm-hmm. yes well, Dave, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I really, really, been, really appreciate you being on my show. Yeah, it has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So stay safe out there during pandemic times. And uh, you as well. Hope I'll get to see your face again in person at a networking event very soon. I hope so. I'm, I'm, I know we've got a ways to go, but I am ready to get there. Same here. I won't be out until it's safe. But when yep. it is safe, I will be there. <laughs> Me as well. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And check the show notes for stuff we discussed in the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my not safe for work email list called the Dirty Bird if you want more content about sex and relationships. You can support said content, like my work with this podcast and other forms of media, by visiting listener support with Anchor FM or visit patreon.com to become one of my patrons. Again, check the show notes. I have links for you there. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.